Welcome to the Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not-so-hidden temptations. We are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring to the show people who know what they're talking about and help you with some of these aspects of your life. You live life only once, so why not live a life worth living? In this episode today, we actually get to interview Jenny Hutchild of the Hudson Business Lounge Cafe out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In this episode, we learn about what it takes to put together a menu to fit your target demographic of customers and what it's like to manage an entire waitstaff team. Please enjoy the show. So if you want to just tell a little bit of the about the what you do for a living, uh, in one sentence, kind of describe what you do. Sure. I run the cafe that's inside the Hudson Business Lounge. Um, write menus and uh, make food and manage the employees and wait on customers. Fantastic. And so uh, what kind of cafe is it? Is it like more like an American cafe? Is it more of like a French cafe? Can you be a little more descriptive here what um, the food just kind of expects is going on over there? No, it's more of an American cafe, but um, we do have some eclectic food and a lot of variety. Um, I would say the food is more deli style than um, anything else. Okay, fantastic. Cool. And you actually uh, put together pretty much the entire menu, correct? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I did have help with our new general manager, Erin, with the, the last leg of it, um, she kind of said, you know, maybe you should take this out and maybe we should put a little something like this in. And then I would go with that and um, expand on a little bit. But, um, yeah, yeah, I put the menu together. I can uh, definitely attest that I had quite a few of the menu items there myself, and they were fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, um, the listeners out there, I actually used to work in the office next door to the cafe, and we hosted oh, cool. meetups for Kamuari events, and Jenny was nice enough to cook up a couple specialty dishes for us for the meetups. Those are pretty much the main reason a couple people kept coming back, just for the free food. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're putting together like this menu, what, um, what kind of motivates you to try different foods or menu items or options? How, how do you kind of get that sorted out? Is it things you're making at home normally, things you've made in the past? How do you just go Some... about making a menu? I've never done anything of that nature. I have hard enough time just <laughs> for the week when I go to the grocery store. Well, a lot of it is research. So I'll do research and looking up new trends. And um, I get about 10 emails a day with different kind, from different groups with new recipe ideas and things like that. Um, but a lot of it, I also do cooking at home. And I'll say, well, this is really good. I'm going to try it at work. And I often have to adjust it to something to make it usable in a professional kitchens as opposed to being at home um, and then what I'll do is I'll if I have certain certain things that I want to try out I'll run them as specials and if they go over really well and I get a lot of compliments from them um, I can put that on a future menu so I keep track of all of those those specials that are right and 
good ones and bad ones so that I know if something was bad, I don't use it again. If something is good, then I know that I can keep putting that on and in the future put that on a menu. So do you get pretty good feedback from people that come into the restaurant? Because uh, I'm one a majority of your patrons regulars, or is it more people kind of walking by, coming into Hudson for a meeting? Like, how are you getting feedback on what people are actually enjoying, or is it kind of based on what's being ordered? Uh, uh, most of it's being based on what's ordered, unless I have time to go out and talk to people. Um, we do have the majority of our customers are the members of the business lounge, um, and those people are there every day and or most days. So I can always ask them, and um, and otherwise I just go out to a table and ask people what they think. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, you touched on that, like when you're cooking at home, things need to be a little bit different compared to cooking in a restaurant. What what was kind mm -hmm. of the difference there? I feel like. In a restaurant, you'd have access to a lot more things, um, more options, things of that nature. You can always order up with different pots and pans or different like, varieties of stuff. What would be the big difference between cooking for yourself at home versus cooking for like uh, at the restaurant? Well, mostly on a production standpoint. If you're cooking at home, you have a lot more time and you can mess around with it and you know try different things, um, and you're not on a time schedule. But when you're cooking in a restaurant, you only have a few minutes to make something. And so you have to be prepared ahead of time with everything that you're going to need to put in a, in a sandwich or a salad. Um, and it has to be the same every time you make it. So if I'm making something at home, I can play around and put whatever I want in it that I like. But if it's something on the menu, it has to look the same and taste the same every time it goes out to, a, to a, any particular customer. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, actually. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, for me, like, I cook at home, I'd say, I'm not obviously not a professional chef, but half the time I cook, things look a little bit different, even from, like, time to time. So if you're mm -hmm. cooking something, you just want to make it look as the same as always from the different customers. Right. And, and the other employees, you have to teach how to do that as well. So if I make a new dish, I can't just do it myself and say, well, I know what it's supposed to look like, so I can make it and send it out and have it be the same each time. But I have to teach the other cooks how to do that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So did you just like recently get into cooking or has it always kind of been a passion of yours? Did you just like wake up one morning like, hey, <laughs> you know, be the manager of the Hudson Business Lounge Cafe, this seems to be a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's not really a brilliant idea. <laughs> no, I, I've been in the restaurant business for over 30 years. Okay. I cooked in school while I was going to school, and um, I was working at a place in Milwaukee um, called the Milwaukee Waterfront Deli, and one of our customers is um, Dan Walsh, and he's one of the owners of the Hudson Business Lounge. Okay. And we just kind of, we connected and um, he liked the way that I worked and dealt with customers and um, I must have made a good impact on him because one day he just came up and offered me a job. Oh, <laughs> and so he likes so to say he's told me. I should be talking to the chefs more often so I can <laughs> Yes, it is a good idea. It is. And uh, um, a lot of people do that. So... <laughs> Um, is but that it turned out a, a positive or a negative? Like, if 
let's say a waitress comes to the back room and said, hey, one of the uh, patrons wants to talk to you. Are you thinking, ooh, good, they want to tell me a good job, or are they going to complain <laughs> that I cooked this, like, whatever, wrong? Is it usually a positive <laughs> or a negative? Well, it's usually a positive. Um, the fear is always that there's a complaint, mm-hmm. um, and there are. You know, nothing is perfect, and there are mistakes that get made, and somebody sometimes just doesn't like something for any particular reason. Um, it happens, and um, but usually it's a positive thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think we get pretty many good compliments on our food at the Hudson. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, what have you kind of seen, like, I guess yourself or the Hudson? You know, moving forward, like the five years or so, is, are you just going to keep uh, running it over there? It seems to be pretty exciting stuff. Or are you like venture on your own, open your own restaurant? What's what's kind of on the back? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not planning on opening my own restaurant ever, okay. <laughs> because that that is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week thing for a, an owner. Um, as a manager, it's it's pretty much that as well. I mean, that I often, when I'm not at work, get phone calls and text messages from the employees needing something or they're not sure what something is. Um, but as an owner, it's just, it's really a lot. And I'm, I'm not interested in that. I do like working where I am. So I'm planning on being there as long as I need to be. Um, my, my major goal is to have a full-time art career. So <laughs> yeah. do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? I know uh, you do like quite a bit of painting actually in, in your spare time. So is that something you just do for fun? Do you kind of do it for mm-hmm. a commission? How is, how's that all going? No, I, I've done commissions and, um, I, I have art shows that are ongoing and, um, I have a couple coming up right now in the next few months and um i have a website and so now it's just, it's kind of another full-time job um so that's a huge part of my life okay. the painting okay. and, and any reference to that in the, the show notes here where people can check out your website and uh, maybe find out when your shows are because i personally am actually interested in checking that out okay yeah, i'm I, also I you know this about me i'm a, kind of a huge art reader too I have oh. passes to the Milwaukee Art Museum and uh-huh. the Chicago Art Museum. Oh, and, uh, actually, cool. I went to go see the new traveling exhibit, the Van Gogh exhibit, this past weekend in Chicago. I oh my gosh! Saturday morning and Sunday morning, but didn't get to see oh. anything because there were so many people. Just so we did get down there. Yeah, the Chicago one is hard to. Milwaukee is a little easier to see the exhibits when. But if we had a Van Gogh exhibit come here, I would be there several times. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, three traveling exhibits ago in Milwaukee, I went the first three days in a row, and people were like, "What is wrong with you?" I'm like, "I enjoy checking this stuff out. Like, I you know, I don't get everything taken in the first loop around, so you don't want to sit there oh, yeah. for five hours and have people bug you and get distracted with like little kids running around to try right. to go through the day." Yeah, the best time to go is Saturday morning, right when they open. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about Chicago. Every time I've been there for an exhibit, it's it's always packed. It, it's a mess. I'm I'm so glad that I had like member passes because like we we're walking up to the art institute and there's a line of like 150 people long. I'm like, oh. okay, well I can skip this line, go like check our coats, 
and I skip the other two <laughs> lines to get in, and then I came to the exhibit, and it's just like, there's still, you know, wall-to-wall people, you can't even move, it's like, wow. oh, there's time to read here, and then listen, and then people keep bumping me and telling jokes, it's like, oh, man, just oh. start life here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have I feel the same way when I'm at an exhibit. I can imagine the Van Gogh exhibit would have been just really popular. Yeah, they, they have so many pieces there. It's absolutely it's, it's honestly like probably twice the size of the Milwaukee traveling exhibit. It's it's so ridiculous how many wow. pieces they have for it. It's fantastic. Wow. I highly recommend checking it out if you haven't. I will try to for sure. Yes, you want to tell us a little more about your actual art? So do you focus on watercolors, oils? What, what do you usually kind of paint? Do you paint people? What kind of no, I'm a landscape painter. Okay. And uh, most of, up until this past um, summer, I've been a studio painter. Um, and I took a workshop in Michigan in, um, in September for landscape or I'm sorry for plain air painting um, and it's so much different than painting in a studio um, and the pieces that I painted after doing that that I painted outside look very different from all of the other work that I've done so I'm trying now to kind of um, mix it together so that when I do paint in the studio it looks you know, that, that my styles kind of connect together more as being looking almost like a different painter painted them. Um, the lighting is different. And also painting outside, I used oil paint, which is much different than using acrylic, which I've always painted with. It's a lot harder. It's more difficult to use. And, um, and the coloring is completely different. So acrylic paints are very, very bright. And um, it's, it seems like the pigment is um, more vibrant, whereas oil paints are earthier and more subdued. And uh, but they do have more depth. So I kind of I might switch over to using oil paints just because of that. But the um, the fumes are a lot stronger. So it's kind of give and take. So <laughs> kind of in between right now, but. Um, I, I just I just love painting and I love starting with a raw canvas and seeing where it goes and kind of letting the painting just develop on its own. Just it's fascinating me to see it happen and I'm usually amazed at how I was able to create something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how like, do you choose your landscapes? Is it just kind of stuff that you see walking around and it's like town? Like do you go outside a lot and just kind of explore? Mm-hmm. you plan to like sit down and do that you know obviously it has to be a nice day out you have to be available what, what kind of all goes into the preparatory work besides the actual painting uh-huh. but it doesn't necessarily have to be a nice day you can get some really interesting images on a cloudy day or a rainy day okay. um, of course if i'm outside and walking around i would prefer it not to be raining <laughs> I also like to do a lot of winter scenes because the, the lighting in winter is, is, is very dramatic, especially early in morning. Like I've done some really interesting paintings um, on the lakeshore here in Milwaukee early, early in the morning in winter. Like just as the sun is coming up, it's really cold. 
but um but it's just beautiful the way the sun hits the snow and the ice especially when the lake is covered with ice it's just the when the ice starts pushing in and it's breaking up up and there's all these different cool shapes and the color is just amazing um, but I also like to go out to the countryside and like the Kettle Moraine areas north and south there's a lot of the landscape is really um, variated so there's some flatlands and then there's a lot of the, the I don't know if you know the Kettle Moraine area as well at all yeah so um, with the hills and the, the different flatlands and then the lake stuck in every once in a while, there's a lot of great compositional areas. So I just drive around and and uh, check out places like that, do sketches, and sometimes I do photographs. Um, and sometimes I just do a painting from memory. Wow, that's like super intense. I, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm probably more creative than I am. I can like oh, I'll get pictures I've taken like on vacation and like where was this I like don't even remember this but I'm like when I was there it was just fantastic so <laughs> it's like how long yeah. does it take you to do an actual painting then do you sit down and do it in an hour does it take you a course mm -hmm. of a couple of days what what what's kind of um the time commitment you put in for each of your paintings. You know it it really varies it depends on the painting. And I, I like to say the size of the painting because I do a lot of eight by 10 and nine by 12 now. Um, so eight inches by 10 inches or nine by 12. And, um, but I've also done some very large ones and those can even take less time than a small painting with a lot of detail. So I think it just depends on the painting itself and where where it's going because sometimes it works right away and sometimes it doesn't and I have to paint over it and even an oil painting oil painting when you when you work on that it's you it takes so long for it to dry it can take up to two weeks for a painting to dry mm -hmm. so you can't paint over it very well um, so if it's not working, sometimes it's the best thing to do is just to scrape it all off and start over. Whereas an acrylic painting, you can keep painting over and over and over the paint. And I've had some paintings that are so thick that you can't see the canvas anymore. <laughs> but, um, and, and I have done that often. I've often gone back, like I'll see an older painting and I just never really liked it. And I'll just paint completely over it and change it into a different painting. But I'm working on these two tables to go in the Hudson Business Lounge that are um, four foot by five foot each. And you might remember them. They used to be on in the main area. They were, I think they called them farm tables. Oh, yeah. I know so about. Yeah. So they could stick together or be separate. So I'm painting a scene on on each one of them of the Milwaukee River, one that's going north and one that's going south. Wow. So when the tables are together, it'll look like one painting, but they can also be separated. And, um, and the first one is finished. It just needs another uh, coat of um, varnish over the top. But that one took me, I would say, four, six, maybe eight hours total. And that's really big. So, but I've worked on smaller paintings longer than that. So this is interesting. So you're going to put these really cool, like, 
paintings into the Hudson Business Loan. I mm -hmm. feel like a couple people are the trusted of their employees the Hudson Business Loan because they're actually focused. And now you're just letting them become completely unfocused. Just check out your paintings all day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm, I was actually wondering if they were going to let you put any of your stuff up in Hudson because I know they always have like the traveling exhibits that mm -hmm. come through the Hudson and they have people have their shows there or they leave stuff up for a couple months at a time. So it's fantastic mm -hmm. they're letting you uh, put some of your permanent stuff yeah yeah i'm really excited about it i um i, I think the tables are going to look really cool so uh, yeah that'll be a permanent table at at hudson and um unless they sell them or something i'm not really sure uh, yeah, i mean but i, I definitely see someone coming in who's like there for a meeting or like a regular and they're like hey this is really cool i kind of want this because <laughs> for sale yeah it's cool it's been really fun to do that though i i'm that's the biggest thing i've ever painted and um and it just turned out so well i was really excited so when you're going through like your paintings and you kind of mentioned a couple times of like painting over or scraping stuff away how do you decide that it's done, it's it's the best it's going to be, or just kind of decide to move on? Like, at what point is it like, yes, I'm happy with this, this is fantastic? You know, you, you, that's, that's impossible to say. Okay. Um, sometimes, like I said, sometimes there was some, a painting that I just, you know, that I, I, I said, okay, it's done, but I was never quite really happy with it. And so then I went back and, and just painted over it. Um, but sometimes I just know. I just, I look at it and, you know, I get to a point where I'm like, it's done. And I can't do anything more to it. And if I do, I'll probably mess it up. So I have to let it go. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think it's all about letting it go. Okay, so makes, you, you, I guess it's kind of part where you can always make an alteration or a change. So it's just a matter mm -hmm. of when you feel like accepted in it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So aside from like painting over, what what happens when like you make an error, mess up in some way? Is it like pretty easy to wipe stuff away? Do you like scrape it off? What what's, what's kind of the, the protocol? Cause I'm assuming like all your brush strokes aren't perfect for the, you know, the entire painting. Mm hmm. Well, sometimes you cry, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you just put it aside and leave it for a month or two and then come back to it. Um, an oil painting, you, you use, um, you have to use a, um, a turpentine or what I like to use is Gamsol. It's, it's a brand called Gamsol and um, it, it doesn't smell like turpentine does, but it's, it's a solvent. And so you just wipe it off with a, a cloth and it comes right off and you know you, you get a little bit of the imprints left in the on the painting but um and then you can just cover it over with a either gesso or uh, an oil-based white paint and let it dry and then you can start over again okay so you probably painted you know tens hundreds of paintings 
Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, specific favorites of your own, or is it just kind of like everything you've done is just so fantastic? You want to just <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I I do have a couple of favorites. There's one that I painted of. Um, do you know where Lions Den Gorges? Yes, I've heard of that. Oh, it's a gorgeous park, and it's up near, I think near Sheboygan. I would say maybe south of Sheboygan. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even that far. No, I think it's Mequon. I know how to get there, but I couldn't tell anybody how to get there. I just know. <laughs> I, I just know exactly There you are. Just don't walk too far because you'll walk over the cliff. <laughs> but I did a painting of there looking um, north and... Um, it just it turned out beautiful. It's way at the top of it. It's a really big bluff, so it's super high, and uh, the lake looks um, very far away. So uh, it, it just the colors turned out beautiful. It was early, early fall, so everything hadn't changed yet. So there's still a lot of green, but there was a lot of gold in the in the landscape, and the gold in the blue lake. The sun was bright, and the color of the water was just this beautiful turquoisey kind of midnight blue mixed together it was beautiful and so the painting turned out just it's one of my favorite ones yeah it sounds very serene very beautiful too so. mm. yeah perfect well yeah anything else that uh, you wanted to uh, leave the listeners with we're definitely very appreciative you took the time to, to chat with us today oh thank you very much it was my pleasure Okay, great. And then uh, for all the listeners out there, we'll actually put um, Jenny's website and some information to contact her in the show notes. So with that, definitely appreciate the time, Jenny. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. We'd just like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors for the show, NextMe, an app that promises to take the guesswork out of restaurant waits. For restaurants, adding a party to the app is easier than pen and paper. Easy peasy. For diners... It's simple to see exactly what place they are in line and gives them a close, approximate wait time until they are actually seated. Unlike clunky pager systems, NextMe can be downloaded onto cell phones for diners and features an automated system that can be downloaded on either an iPhone or iPad for restaurants. NextMe is taking on the weight of the world. They are the go-to waitlist app for restaurant employees. Check them out at nextmeapp.com. That's N-E-X-T. M-E-A-P-P dot com. Thanks everyone for listening. Hopefully you learned something new or at least were able to share a few laughs with us today. Until next time.